everyone, and welcome to Amplify Your Potential podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Asya Ghazi. Thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. And I just want to really give a heartfelt thanks to all of you who have been listening into my podcast, who have subscribed and who have followed. It really means the world to me to know that my podcast is affecting all of you in a very positive way, that it's creating impact and that it's inspirational and motivational. I wanna do a quick shout out to my friend and my sister, Mira. Thank you so much for sharing the podcast um, on your Instagram feed. I really appreciate it. I'm in my office today. So if you hear any background noise, it's because I have my colleagues walking around outside, probably chatting with each other. So there's gonna be a little bit of noise that you'll hear, but otherwise, Hopefully you don't hear much of anything. So don't let the noise distract you if you do hear anything, because today's episode is actually a pretty short episode, but it's an important episode because I wanted to explain my absence. If you've noticed, I've only posted nine episodes. The nine episodes have been great, but I've been posting them sporadically because I've had a really interesting and pretty rough year already to date. I started this podcast in January and I got my blessings for this podcast from my mom. My mom's been my biggest and most staunch supporter. And I absolutely cannot tell you enough how much my mom has supported me and loved me throughout everything that I've been going through and, and, and in the last few years to just try to get myself out there and overcome my own imposter syndrome, overcome, you know, so much of myself and really be able to develop myself into the person I am today. And that's why I created this podcast, Amplify Your Potential. It's not about leadership. It's not about women in leadership. It's more than this. It's about amplifying who we are to make the best version of ourselves. And maybe sometimes that means that we have to uh, look into different things. You know, I've had several episodes on different aspects, such as happiness. Why is happiness so important? My friend Quine and I, we talked about that. Uh, we talked about why it's important um, if you're a mom and an entrepreneur, how to run your business, how to really use your intuition and hone in. You know, uh, another episode that if you've listened to, we talked about uh, why LinkedIn is so great for people to use, you know, to create relationships and relationship building. I've talked to another guest about ageism and how that's affecting people who are trying to find jobs today. So there's a lot of different topics, right? But each episode has something to help all of us with being better versions of ourselves, being better leaders, better people, and trying to be aware of the issues that are out there today that we see, such as ageism, uh, such as maybe also having more confidence in ourselves, all of these things. It's really important for us. And that's the reason why I created this. And well, I remember when I had my mom listen to the first episode, which was just me explaining this podcast and talking about imposter syndrome. She loved it. She loved the intro and outro music. She loved it. She said this was the best one she'd ever heard. And, and I know because I had another podcast I was doing called A Creative Woman Leader. And although I did maybe 12 or 13 episodes there, I wasn't really feeling it. And I felt like I needed to create a podcast that was more universal, not just for women in leadership, not just for creative women leaders, but for all of us. And for me to be able to have people from all walks of life come on the episodes and really speak their wisdom to us, right? 
So as you can kind of see, I'm talking a little bit about my mom for a reason. My mom passed away in May of this year. Uh, in, in February, my mom had a heart attack. We didn't know that she was even having one for about a week until her symptoms got really bad. And I had to call 911 and she was in the hospital. They did angioplasty on her, found out that she pretty much had almost all of her arteries clogged. And I say almost because she'd had, she had like a couple that were at like 80 to 90%. Everything else was at a hundred percent clogged. We didn't know this. She's 74 years old. So at that moment, it was like, wow, we didn't know all of this stuff was happening inside of her body. Um, and it's not like we didn't go to the doctors. You know how doctors are sometimes. Uh, you know, it, it, you're they're, they're so busy themselves trying to get them to check every single aspect of you. It's, you know, and then getting referrals and then having to wait for those referrals to come through because you're on Medi-Cal or Medicare and the system is just slow as heck. It can actually bog down the ability for a patient to be seen. And with COVID, it was even harder to even find a good doctor or find referrals for both myself and for my mom. I mean, we were both trying to figure that stuff out. Um, and so she didn't know. We didn't know. We don't even know. I learned that women actually have very different signs when they're having a heart attack than men. And so this was a really new revealing information for me to know. My mom's side of the family, they have a history of this stuff. They have a history of heart issues, a history of diabetes and, and things of that nature. So I'm trying to be very careful myself and, and trying to be careful with how I eat and what I do to take care of myself. I have a personal trainer. I make sure to get massages every week. I make sure to, to do good things to take care of myself, you know, walking, working out, um, trying to relieve stress. Although this year was a very stressful year. So that's the reason why I was not really posting much on the podcast. I mean, the late, the last one was in July. I think I posted one sometime in April. So I really was sporadic with what I was trying to do. And it's not like I don't have guests or episodes because I actually have six episodes I'm going to be um, uploading within the next six weeks so that all of you continue to listen to the podcast with the guests that I have. But this was something that was really important for me was to focus on my mom, right? I mean, she was, she's, she's my best friend and everything to me. I needed to focus on that. And so I was distraught, you know, she was in the hospital, she had to have stent surgery. And, you know, my mom's last words to me were, you're handling everything very strongly. You're a strong person. You're handling everything in a strong way, you know? she was proud of me. She said, I'm happy. She goes, I'm, she goes, I'm happy with you. She goes, I'm very happy with, with everything. I'm happy with you. I'm not like, I don't want you to ever think that anything that's happening to me is any fault of your own, because there's none of that, because she knows me. She knows that any little thing, even though I, it's not my fault or anything, I will still blame myself because that's just how I am. I feel like, okay, this happened. You know, what could I have done better? What could I have done to prevent this? But there are things that we cannot prevent. When it's your time, it's your time. You can't prevent it from happening. And I had been receiving signs um, for the last year and a half about my mom. And so when this actually happened, I was like, oh my goodness, you know, God was, was warning me and was trying to, you know, let me know. And I have to tell you that I have the best support system because when this happened, I called my friends and, you know, I'm going to shout out to my friend, Ruth. She was with me that whole night. She came 
and she stayed with me while my mom had her surgery to get at least her a stent put into her. Um, and then the cardiologist called me to let me know what they did and, you know, everything. And so after that, my we both went to go see my mom and my mom was telling me, why are you here? You should go, go home and sleep. And I'm like, mom, I'm going to be here with you. What the heck? And she was like, I'm going to be fine. Don't worry. She knew, she knew how I was, I was going, you know, what I was feeling and how, what I was going through. And she, I know she was worried about me too, because she knew how I might, you know, how I would try to handle it. And, but she still encouraged me. She said, you're strong. You're a strong person. She's like, why are you here? You need to go sleep. You have students that you got to work, you know, do work with. So why are you, you know, doing this? And I'm like, no, your first priority. My students will understand because I was teaching and I, I do, you know, editing, dissertation editing and, and stuff. And I do other things uh, with my students to help them. And so she was like, well, no, you know, you should focus on that. My mom, even though she's sick and she, I don't even know how long she would have to survive, Right. And she's telling me to go and focus on my stuff. And I'm like, no, your priority, you've always been priority and you know that. So no, they will understand. And at that time I was teaching, I was teaching a leadership course um, with the University of Arizona Global Campus. So yeah, so I was going through a lot and I had to tell my students, of course, I had to let them know what I was going through. Um, I had clients, I had to tell them, I had to tell everybody, you know, I'm not going to be available right now because I am trying to deal with the situation with my mom. And honestly, I think those two days that I was with my mom, those were her words to me. And she, she, you know, she told me she loved me, you know, we kissed each other, I made sure to help her eat. Um, she was going through a lot. And there were two times that she could have just died immediately. And she, I'm just glad that she didn't die right away. She could have died that night, had I not called her had I not called 911 for her, she would have died that night, I would have woken up to a seeing my mom's dead body in her bed, that would have been very devastating for me. So I'm, I, I just thank my lucky stars. It didn't happen that way. Um, she was in the hospital. I remember that night after the surgery, you know, they were trying to, and they did like minimal surgery, right? They didn't want to do too much because they were thinking that they may have to do bypass surgery. And my mom told me, I don't want bypass surgery because I think she knew that if she did take that surgery, she wouldn't survive. I think she knew that any surgery at that point, if she had to have it, that something would happen and she wouldn't survive. And, um, and so, the, but the doctors were like, well, we're, we're trying to see what we can do. We're going to see if she's even a candidate for bypass. And if she isn't, then we're going to find another way because they want to save her life. You know, doctors want to save our lives. They're not there to not save our lives. They want to do the best thing that they can to save the lives of their patients. And so she really had to go through a lot, I think, to be able to even stay alive for the three months, because I remember um, when they called and they said that they were not going to do the bypass. They said instead, because she's too weak, heart's really weak, and she's elderly, and she's also weak, it's best that we do it. We do the stents, and it's minimally invasive. We can go in, we can put stents in her heart, and it will help. But the thing is, is that she wasn't really meant to survive. So once they did the stent surgery on her, excuse the noise if you hear noise in the background. I told you I'm in the office, so there will be noise from people uh, today. So I apologize for that. Um, but she went in for the stent surgery. And after the surgery, um, you know, the doctor talked to me. He wanted to show me, you know, all of the clogs that she had, like all of that stuff. 
and that, you know, she was going to be able to make it. She just probably might need one more surgery, but she would be able to be okay. Well, anyways, so when she had the surgery that night after the surgery, she was okay. They had her under sedation. They sedated her because I think, you know, they don't want her to feel pain. So they're sedating her. And then maybe a couple of days in between when she was sedated. Um, so she had that surgery, I believe, Saturday afternoon. So sometime between Sunday and Sunday, maybe Saturday night, Sunday morning, or sometime Sunday, she ended up having a major stroke. And she, they didn't even know the, the nurses, nobody knew that that happened because they were not looking at that. They were looking at her vital signs for her heart, her breathing, everything else. But obviously these things, when you're sedated, they can't, they can't tell. And so it wasn't until Monday when the nurse or actually Sunday night when the nurse was, you know, moving her and he's, and she lifted her left arm and my mom's left arm just went plunk on the bed. And my, and the nurse went, wait, why is that happening? Um, she goes, maybe we took her off sedation. So maybe that's what it is. But she goes, why is her arm like that? Like it, it felt limp. So they had to check and find out what was going on. And then the, one of the doctors called me the next morning and told me, you know what, your mom had a stroke and it was pretty major. And we don't know how this is going to affect her in terms of how she's going to live her life. I was distraught. Um, then the neurologist that I spoke to afterwards was basically telling me, oh, your mom's going to be like this for the rest of her life. Like he had no emotion. He told me, he just said, she's going to be like this. She's going to probably not be able to ever eat again, never do anything again. And you're just going to have to, you know, kind of figure it out. And he basically said to me, you know, patients like her may choose to just pass away. And I'm looking at him like, are you freaking serious? You need to speak to people with empathy and respect, not in this type of way. You know, what about, what if there's miracles that could happen? You know, there's hope that she could be able to deal with this and overcome it. There are people that have had major strokes like this and they were able to, with rehab and the right support and the right people were able to come out of it and at least have a semblance of their life back. They were able to eat again. They were able to move. They were able, even if they had to be in a wheelchair, but they were able to do things. So how could you sit there and just say that about my mom? Like I was very upset about this. So, I mean, of course I got like second opinions and it, it just, it was the same, same situation, but my mom really, when she did wake up, her eyes would open and she would just kind of like stare out into space kind of thing. She wasn't there. I mean, I, I think I noticed that her eye color had even changed. So that was just how much it had affected her brain. And she just was going, it, it, she was just going to go through a lot. And she was on a feeding tube. They moved her to long-term acute care after about three weeks of being in a hospital ICU. They moved her to the ICU in the long-term acute care hospital. So that in itself also was quite a lot um, of stress. You know, I was going back and forth out all, every day and I'm an advocate for my mom. And this is one thing I learned during this process is you need to advocate for your loved ones and you need to be there every day. Cause in the hospital, I was there all day and all, I was just literally there all day. Sometimes I would even try to sleep over at night just to be there, but I was there every day. I was in the cafeteria and then I would go upstairs. I would check up on my mom, talk to the nurses, come back down, go back again a couple hours later, do the same thing and just going up and down, up and down. They knew who I was. The nurses knew who I was. The, the security people knew who I, who I was. I mean, they, everybody knew. 
And so it was really important, again, for me to be able to to talk to them and to make sure that I knew what was going on with my mom every second of every day. What what, what medicine was, were they giving her? What what was her, what were the numbers? And my friends, oh my gosh, my friends were amazing. I had so many friends who supported me. They came to visit my mom in the hospital at the long-term acute care center. Um, really amazing friends. And even when my mom passed, I had friends who were supporting me and who were being there for me. So I really appreciated being able to, to see so much of that love and support that I so needed during this time. Um, and so unfortunately, my mom did pass away um, in May, May, May 16, exactly three months later, she passed away. And it was one of the most saddest moments that I've had to deal with in my life to lose my mom. She's my best friend to lose this person that I could talk to about anything. It's like, who can I talk to now? Who's the person I can talk to now? Because the way that my mom and I would speak to each other, I can't do that with anyone else because she understood me. She was my mom. She's, you know, she didn't judge me. She cared for me. She loved me fiercely. She, she wanted nothing but the best for me. And I wanted nothing but the best for her. And as I talk about this, I'm, I'm kind of tearing up here. But my mom was everything for me. And so I really wanted to make sure that I gave my mom the proper Islamic burial. You know, being Muslim, we have to bury our loved ones within 24 to 48 hours after they pass. And so I had to coordinate all of that. I told everybody what happened when she passed. I told all of my friends and people were open and willing to help. I, I didn't even have money for the burial expenses because to even get a plot, it's $15,000, which is insane. And like, this is real estate for, for, you know, funerals. Like, gosh, I didn't even think about it in that way. And my mom and I never talked about any of this. We never talked about how she would want to be buried. We never talked about if she wanted to be resuscitated because I did have them do CPR on her. It was, it was devastating, right? I'm, I didn't know what to do, but in those moments when my mom passed, I literally went um, to the local mosque and they referred me to another place where they said, yeah, we can do this. And it's just going to be, you know, maybe we can get you, a, uh, your mom a plot for 5,000, but it would have to be a couple hours away from where you're at. It would be like out in Victorville or like, you know, in the Palmdale area. And I said, that's fine. I need to make sure she has a proper burial. And if we can bury her there in those in one of those cemeteries, that's fine. It's not even about the cost. It's the fact that she needs to have this happen immediately. My friends pulled through for me. I got donations left and right. My colleagues, my friends, everybody came forward to help me with the situation. And my mom was given the proper burial, the, the proper funeral and burial that she needed to have. And I, it made me happy to know that my mom was happy from that. And everybody would tell me when they came to the funeral, they were like, your mom just looks like she's sleeping. She looks very peaceful. I had everybody telling me how my mom was just smiling. They could see the smile on her face. And I'm like, yeah, I know because she's in a good place now and she's happy. She's not suffering. She's not going to have, she's not going to have to deal with this stuff. She's in a better place. And I know that my mom was happy with me. So you know, everything that I do, all the work that I'm doing now, um, I have a real estate license. My mom was so happy. I remember in January, I passed my real estate exam and she was so happy for me. 
And she was like, I'm just waiting for your license now. Once you get your license, you know, maybe we can even be able to get a house finally. And we wanted to move out into Orange County together. So we we had made these plans and and my mom became my angel, I guess, so to speak, right? Um, so mom is in a better place. And I also think I'm in a good place too, you know, in the sense that I don't have to worry about her. Like I would constantly worry about my mom and I would be calling her all the time. Mom, are you okay? What are you doing? You know, we live together, but still I'm out of the house. I'm doing something. I would call mom. Are you okay? Mom, do you need something? Mom, you know, like let's have a conversation and we would have our conversations, you know, mom and I would always conversate. Even if I'm five minutes away from home, I would call her and we would just start having conversations. I'm like, okay, mom, I'm like right by the garage now. I'll come in. We'll continue. You know, we would just do that. And my mom and I would watch um, her favorite Pakistani shows together. We would do everything together. My mom was my best friend, my partner in crime, everything. It's <laughs> just everything for me. And so that's the reason why I haven't been on these podcasts. I haven't been um, putting up episodes or really doing much. I just actually did an interview uh, with another guest last month that I'm going to put up in a few weeks. And so I've been so out of it. So these next few episodes that you are going to hear were recorded already um, in the past before any of this happened to my mom. So you're going to probably hear some things that are a little bit um, outdated, I guess, so to speak, or not obviously those, these were supposed to be posted, you know, like I said, months ago, but they're not going to be posted until now, obviously. And so I want you to just sit back and listen to those episodes. Um, I have an episode coming up with my friend Tissa and Tissa Richards. She talks about her book um, and, and we we talk about, you know, leadership and, and women and, and what, you know, we have to go through in terms of leadership, right? No Permission Needed is the name of her book. And my other friend, Dr. Elnaz and I, we talk about her struggle with, um, her own her health issues. And it was something that I know she wanted to talk about. And I thought this is a great episode to talk about. So again, this was recorded a while back. So we're going to be uploading that. And then I have another episode uh, coming up with my friend, Dr. Ed Eng. He was the former mayor of La Mirada, California. And it was really interesting to hear about how he got into mayorship how it came to him and, you know, how that made him become a really good leader. And he talks about a book that he wrote that just came out earlier this year as well. So I've got a lot of these really awesome people coming on my podcast. Uh, I want you to listen to those episodes when they're posted. Give me feedback. Let me know what you think about them. And I'm going to have more episodes. I've got a ton of topics and ideas, a ton of guests that want to be on this uh, podcast. And I'm looking forward to delivering really good content and value. If there's something that you are looking for, for me to talk about, I am more than happy to talk about it. I will bring guests on the show. We can talk about it. If you want to be a guest on the show, reach out to me. My email address is in the description. Send me, you know, send me an email or you can send me a DM on Instagram. My Instagram handle is the Dr. Asia. I will put that in the description because spelling it out loud will be quite a lot. <laughs> so it's in the description. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find me um, and all of these episodes on any podcast platform that you listen to. Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I'm everywhere. 
with this podcast. So please like, subscribe, share, follow, and let me know what are, what is one or two things, what are, I guess, what are one or two things that you are getting from each episode? Because I believe that when we hear that wisdom and we really act upon that wisdom, it helps us. For this episode, my wisdom for all of you that I want to share is to be an advocate for your loved ones. I was an advocate for my mom. And make sure that you talk to your family about what you want your end to look like. Because this was something that my mom and I missed out on. We never talked about what she wanted. So I had to really kind of hone in on my intuition and guess as to what I needed to get done for my mom to make sure that you know she was taken care of while she was in the long-term acute care to make sure that she was given you know proper attention really and to be on top of things and another thing was to make sure that okay did she want to be resuscitated or not she probably might have just said no don't resuscitate me if that's it that's it but i obviously thought differently because in my mind it's like no i want my mom alive and i want her back right and so I was thinking about it from that perspective. But in hindsight, I don't think my mom would have wanted that. She would have wanted, she would have not wanted to be resuscitated knowing that she was going to be in pain, right? So of course that was it. But the burial, the funeral, everything else, you know, I had to learn. I didn't know a lot of these things. I had to learn. Okay, you're gonna, you're gonna get buried somewhere. You might as well buy a plot and get that done now. So I encourage us to talk to our family. I know that in different cultures, it feels taboo to talk about these things. I'm Indian Pakistani. Nobody in our family talks about what we want when we're going to die. Nobody talks about that. And so people kind of have to think about it or, or kind of guess what their family members would have wanted. Sometimes people do talk about it and, and it's vague and sometimes people don't. And then they don't have the burial plots already. So you have to kind of then figure out what to do. What's the most cost effective way to do it? How to get donors? How to get people to help you? There's so much that happens. We need to talk about these things. So if anything that you can take away from this episode today, aside from the fact that now you know why I've been MIA, is advocate, talk to your family, let them know what you all want from each other. It doesn't matter what your age is, get it done. Make sure you have things in writing, i.e. a will, a trust, and beneficiary information, because should something happen, that information is already taken care of. You need to have these things. If you don't, and your loved one, your family member, parent, or someone passes, then you're going to have to figure out and scramble just to get things done. And sometimes we don't always have the support systems that we're looking for. So please cultivate relationships with your friends and your colleagues and your coworkers and your family members. Because when you can cultivate these relationships, you can actually make a huge difference in, in, in not only in your life, but in the life of others around you cultivate those relationships. One day, these are people that are going to come and be of support to you when you need them to support you in your time of need. And I am so grateful for the support and the love and everything that I received from everybody. Now, stay tuned. The next few episodes are going to be up in the next week or so. I will have one more episode posted this week and the other episodes coming up at least once a week for the next few weeks. So keep yourself posted. I'm not MIA anymore and I'm fine. I miss my mom terribly. I take things one day at a time. There are moments where I do cry, but you know what? 
I know my mom's in a better place and she's with me everywhere I am because that's something that I know. She always told me, I will be with you even when I'm not here anymore. I'm always going to pray for you and I'm always going to be with you. And so I know that she is. And I encourage all of you to, you know, be a little close to your family tonight, you know, just love them up and talk to them, be there for them. Because trust me, I enjoyed every minute with my mom. I enjoyed doing things for her and helping her to the point where I even delayed me wanting to get married. Because for me, it was important that if I am going to marry, that the man would accept my mom. And even though my mom didn't really want all of that, it was important for me. And when I say she didn't want any of that, it's just that in her mind, and and this is a cultural thing, that when your daughters get married, the parents, the daughter's parents are not going to want to stay with the daughter or their son. They want to have their own place. They don't feel like they want to be interfering in the marriage of their kids. I totally get it. But then where would you go? You're, You're by yourself. You need to be with you know, your, your son or your daughter or something like that. And so not everyone wants to put their parents in a nursing home. Not everyone wants to put their parents in a facility, right? They want to have their parents with them. So again, talk to your family, find out what each, what your parents want, what you want as well. Talk to your kids. If you know, you have kids and, and get things written and settled so that should that time come, everything's already settled and taken care of. You don't have to worry about things, okay? That's the biggest takeaway that I'm going to let you all have today. Again, feel free to listen in to the next episodes. Thank you again for subscribing, for following, and being uh, loyal listeners of the Amplify Your Potential podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Asiagazi, and I bid you all well. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. 